You're listening to the Cochester Briefing Show Podcast on NKFM. Alrighty, alrighty, alrighty. Welcome back. Welcome back to another edition of the Conchester Briefing Podcast. My name is Jason Bett and I will be your host for today's podcast. It is now the 12th of January 2020. It's just gone after 6 o'clock. Um, I'm having my podcast today with Jock uh, Jonker. Um, and we're going to discuss a couple of things. We're going to discuss about geopolitics, uh, Iran, Trump and Iran, what's going on there and what started it all? Um, is he going to get it re-elected? And then, of course, back home, we're going to talk a little bit about land expropriation. But before we get into it, before I get Jock on the line, there's just something I want to read you quickly. Just a quick intro uh, on the geopolitics. Of course, a lot of us do understand what geopolitics is, but I like to I like to just read a quick little intro. Uh, so my eyes are going to dwell on the screen again. At the level of international relations, geopolitics is a method of studying foreign policy to understand, explain, and predict international political behavior through geographical variables. These include area studies, climate, topography, demography, um, natural resources, and applied science of region being evaluated. Geographic focuses on political power linked to geographic space, in particular territorial waters and land territory in coloration with diplomatic history. Topics of geopolitics include relations between the interests of international political actors and interests focused within an area, a space or geographical element, relations which create a geopolitical political system. So yeah, that's, that's our intro. Let's get Jock on the line quickly. And then we'll go further with this podcast. Okay. Okay, Jock. Buddy, how are you, man? Welcome. Welcome, Welcome to my man. show. Thanks. Thanks. Lekker. How are you? No, ach, lekker, man. It's flipping hot, eh? Summer, summer. Yeah, it's very hot. Very I, I, think very hot. I got this spotlight on me and I'm flipping. I can feel the heat from this light there. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had a little light shine on me as well, but I, but I switched it off. It was a little bit too hot. I got sweaty. Yeah. Hey, you my first video stream on this podcast. Because my other okay. podcasts normally are doing like audio, so I'm trying it for the first time now. Got to, because yeah. everyone, everyone else is doing video uh, calling oh. podcast, and I'm not. I'm still doing it the old-fashioned way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, Jock, for the viewers out there, uh, give a quick introduction, who you are, what you're about. Okay, what's up, guys? To everyone listening, I'm Jock Jonker. I work at the FMF currently as an intern. Uh, my first degree was an undergrad degree in BCom Law, and I also did a postgraduate honors degree in economics. Um, as most people know who have me on Facebook, I'm an avid libertarian, basically anti-state when it comes to everything and anything. Mm. Um, and that's me. There's nothing much more to say. Yeah, no, it's cool. For the viewers out there, Jock is doing this podcast in his own private capacity. So he's not representing yeah. his work of any nature to, to that such. Yes, okay. yes, definitely. Capacity on views. Okay, so um, I normally do my intro... Uh, on geo, what well, I said on geopolitics, but I'm gonna do that on my intro before this. So that's fine. Okay. So, Jock, your um, what's your views? What's your views on geopolitics? I find it extremely interesting. I mean, um, 
taking an economic perspective, I mean, economists like to say distance is busy disappearing in the sense that it gets cheaper and cheaper to travel further and further. It's more economical, et cetera. Mm. And that also has an effect in terms yeah. of globalization in the world, not just economic globalization, but political globalization as well. I mean, go back 10,000 years, people in the Middle East, or just 2,000 years ago, thought the Middle East was the whole world almost. Yeah, and, now we live in a, and now we live in an era where America can drone bomb a country simply by remote control by a guy sitting 12,000 miles away. Exactly. So, that's I mean, the scary part, too. Yeah, that's a scary part, actually. I mean, there's always obviously been a lot of benefits. But yeah, in terms of geopolitics, I think it's technology has caused it to become extremely complex, um, but also very interesting for us sitting by watching and analyzing and giving our thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the most interesting region in terms of geopolitics is probably the Middle East at the moment. Um, I think not Latin America anymore, rather during the 80s, the Reagan administration, etc. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah it's, I think it's becoming very interesting now, especially with post-World War II, um, all the allies that banded together post-World War II formed the United Nations. I mean, we've got the vast, vast majority of countries part of the United Nations now, even enemies join in the United Nations. So, I mean, it's extremely complex. You've got situations where enemies of my enemies become my friends until I don't need them anymore, then my enemy again. That, that's exactly it, yeah. That's what's, that's what's yeah. been happening all this time, yeah. Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, to the viewers out there, I mean, okay, so some people, I me and you, we know what geopolitics stands for, but uh, geo uh, is generally understood to be short for geography, ge- <laughs> geography, but that is slightly misleading. A simple way to understand geo means world. Um, yeah. and, and politics is one of the most notoriously difficult terms to define. Politics could very well be two things, <clears throat> two, one of two, or two things. Power and distribution of who gets and what, where, when, and how. Who gets to yeah. des- who gets to decide this? That's that's the big question, yeah. eh? I mean, with everything going on, uh, and that's my next question. What's been going on in um, Iran at the moment with yeah. Trump in Iran? Yeah. I mean, it's geopolitics as it is. Yeah. But what's happening there? What what started? What started this this uh well, I, this crazy I thing? Think yeah. I think you have to go all the way back to 1953 when they installed the Shah of Iran through a coup. Um, and that basically generated a lot of anti-US sentiment because their first leader was, in fact, democratically elected. Um, I don't believe, actually, in the argument that you should justify an authoritarian leader just by the fact that he was democratically elected. But fact still stands is that um, coup initiated by the US in fact, to help Britain to regain control of the oil fields in Iran. I think, um, I think that generated a lot of anti-US sentiment, as I said. And then you go on later through the years, you had the Iran-Iraq war in the 80s and America backing Saddam Hussein in Iraq. And mm-hmm. then you, the 90s came along and Bill Clinton had a very, very sort of contradictory foreign policy in the sense that he tried to make peace in a lot of situations, especially with the Arab-Israeli war. Etc. And the Camp David talks also tried to make peace in the Middle East with countries like Iran and Iraq, but that didn't happen. So they started imposing sanctions on Iraq during that time. And I mean, then you had post 9 11. Of course. Post 9 11 with the um, George W. Bush giving his infamous speech, by now infamous speech, Axis of Evil, wherein he included Iran as an Axis of Evil, which is quite ironic because Saudi Arabia 
12 of, I think 12 or something of the nine, nine, nine hijackers or 12 or of the 19 hijackers came from Saudi Arabia, which is a long-standing U.S. ally in the Middle East. Yet he listed Iran as an axis of evil in that time, even though Iran has never actually been linked to Al-Qaeda or any of those terrorist organizations, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit to the Taliban, etc. And I think all this sort of just boosted this anti-U.S. sentiment in Iran and America got frustrated because they are... At that time, they were much more dependent on Middle Eastern oil than they are now. And I think what we're currently witnessing with Trump, his whole mantra of make America great again, I think that is effectively a way that he sees that they can make America great again. You get this long-standing foe of the U.S. And yeah, the, the, famous, in their place. the famous slogan, the hat, the hat that Joe yeah. also likes to wear, <laughs> make America yeah. great again. <laughs> Yeah, so I think this was it's a it's a cockfight between two leaders effectively. Um, I I don't have any sympathy with if you if we just focus on the fact that Soleimani is dead, just the fact that he's dead, not how he was killed, etc. The fact yeah, that, that he's dead, that, I think that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's an authoritarian piece of shit out of the way. Yes, that's that's the thing, and the leftist is making it a big deal out of it, and they're just using this to their advantage. Obviously, with Trump yeah. uh, being on the impeachment side of things. So the, yes, Demo- yes. the Democrats all want to use this to their advantage, but mm. they fail yeah. him. This is video. Okay, me and you, we've seen the video. But for the viewers out there, I want to play this video. It's uh, a lady that lives in America. She calls herself an Iranian-American. Her name is Erica. Mm. Quickly, whoa, what was that noise? This was a big bang outside. <laughs> anyway, let's play. I'm going to play the video for the, for the viewers out there, and then me and you, we can just uh, discuss about the video. Hi, friends. So a lot of you have been reaching out to me, asking me my opinion about what's going on and, you know, wanting to know my opinion. So here's my two cents. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sarah, also known as Erica for my American friends who can't say Sarah. Um, I am Iranian American. I have spent the last 12 years of my life as a human rights activist working on Iran policy watching the Middle East. Yeah, it's a super complex issue. And many of you probably before today had never ever heard of the name Mohandas or Soleimani, but I feel like we're living in the twilight zone, guys. I'm I'm completely outraged at this notion that the propaganda machine that is the media is glorifying Qasem Soleimani. Do you people know that this man has not only the blood of Americans on his hands, but the blood of Iranians, Iraqis, Yemenis, Afghanis? I mean, since when did we start mourning the death of a terrorist? I mean, seriously, I've had like friends on the left, both Iranian and American, um, attack me for echoing the rhetoric of my people. The people in Iran are happy. The people in Iran are happy that this man who was responsible for the slaughter of so many people is gone. Like, where was your outrage last month when the regime slaughtered 1600 kids for peaceful protests? Where's your outrage for the thousands of political prisoners that are in Iran right now? Where was your outrage when 
the Hashtashabi took over the American embassy and like vandalized it and killed an American contractor. Like, I, I just, I don't understand. So I'm sorry if I'm, I'm ranting, but my, you know, who cares? My opinion doesn't really matter. But for, for the, you know, in the interest of those that have reached out, here's the deal. I'm an Iran watcher. I'm an Iraq watcher. I'm a Syria watcher. I'm an Afghanistan watcher. And for the people on the ground, they don't hate America. They don't hate Donald Trump. In fact, there's a lot of trending hashtags right now from Iran on Twitter. Thank you, Trump. We thank you. Thank you for, you know, Soleimani. Thank you. You know, go look for yourselves. And, you know, honestly, guys, if you don't know anything about the Middle East, please keep your opinions to yourself. I beg you, because all you're doing is you're distorting the flow of information. You're drowning out the sound that's coming out from the ground. And people in Iran are happy. And they are giving out, you know, in, your, in the Middle East, it's cultural practice to when something wonderful happens, when there's a marriage or when there's a celebration, you give out cookies, you make cakes. And you should see the videos that are coming out. People are baking cakes. People are giving out cookies in public in the streets because they're happy. You know, I mean, I don't know. Do we do we live in a closed society that we don't know that most people in you know, in the Middle East are not free, uh, specifically in Iran, it's an Islamic state. There's no freedom of religion. There's no freedom of speech. There's no freedom of peaceful, uh, you know, protest. And for anyone who disagrees with the regime, they're arrested, they're jailed, they're tortured, uh, you know, and yeah, there's a lot of video coming out right now about you know, the, 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 the funeral of Qasem Soleimani, it's so much propaganda, you guys. The regime has been saying death to America for 40 years. They forced us in school to say death to America. I was seven years old. I didn't know what I was saying. And the people that are like saying that right now, they're called the Basiji. They're like, you know, they're getting paid. They're the ones that get paid to kill people on the street. So yeah, they're going to say death to America, but that's not the people. The majority of the people in the Middle East don't hate America. They don't hate Donald Trump. And I'm probably going to lose a lot of friends for saying this, but thank you, Mr. Trump, for making a very hard decision and for having the moral courage to do something that probably a lot of world leaders wouldn't have had. Anyway, that's my two cents. I love you guys. If you want to have a conversation Let's engage, let's not attack, it's not healthy. And hashtag everybody calm down. There's no World War Three coming, okay? God is in control, not man. Okay, and that and that was the video. That was the video. You saw it there. Uh a lot of words, a lot of emotion there. But I th I think she spoke words of, of truth there, you know. Especially where she said to 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 President Trump, thank you. It was like it was a favor killing that uh, well, you know, yeah. the, the general. Yeah, what I think, do, what one do you think should. I don't think one should be quick to to generalize the sentiment towards America in Iran itself. I mean, you've got people of different walks of life who have different views uh, on Iran. But as I said, there is a large scale anti-U.S. sentiment, but there is also a big faction in Iran that is pro-U.S. involvement in Iran. And I mean, the general was not popular; he was disliked in Iran. And there's mm. all argument that um, you know, well, he was installed by a democratically elected leader is a extremely stupid uh, argument against taking him out. I don't agree with Donald Trump on 99% of things. I don't agree with the way he took out Soleimani. 
but I think just if we focus on the fact that Solomon is dead, that in and of itself is a good thing. However, the reason I don't believe that it was either the right time or he um, employed the right methods to do it is the blowback that came out uh, of that. I hear you. I and hear I think you. we can, and we can always debate who, who, who shot first between Iran and America, going back the way all to the fifties. The Iranians yes. will say there was a coup. America will say, well, they they liberalized the Iranians, liberated the the Iranians, but the guy who they installed the Shah of Iran was also quite an autocratic leader, mm-hmm. um, or authoritarian leader rather. Um, I think that it's one of those sort of intractable conflicts at the moment, and I think Trump was just waiting for Iran to do something. Then a private military contractor got killed, and then they took out um, Soleimani because of that and because of the, the storming of the U.S. embassy in Baghdad. The reason I don't believe Trump followed the right, at least the right protocols, is regardless of whether he didn't. Um, permission from Congress, congressional approval, whatever. Mm-hmm. The fact that this war between America and Iran is not actually taking place on either American or Iranian soil, if you think about it. They mm-hmm. took out Soleimani in, in Baghdad, in Iraq. All and right. if you All think right. about it, the proxy wars are also not taking place in Iran. They are taking place in Iraq. So I think this may have just worsened U.S.-Iraq relations, which I think is terrible because post-2003 invasion of Iraq, they they created basically this massive power vacuum in Iraq, and ISIS took advantage of that. Luckily, they've sort of dealt with ISIS now for the moment. Mm-hmm. Now you are stuck in a situation with the host country, if you want to call it that, forced them out of Iraq, and this creates an opportunity for Iran to 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 wield power in Iraq through proxies. There, this creates the gap that ISIS maybe will consider coming attempting to launch a comeback or something. What you also have to remember is Iraq serves as a geographical buffer zone between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now the issue with this is America is out of Iraq, but they Saudi Arabia, they really need America to back them up in Iraq because they need to prevent Iran getting closer to their country at all costs. Mm-hmm. I mean, this could well have been the, the trigger to trigger stronger relations maybe between Iran and Iraq at this moment. But it's unpredictable. Um, if we think about suddenly attention, the tension decreased a lot after Iran lost, launched a mostly failed um, airstrike against bases in Iraq, and then Trump said all is well, um, nobody was hurt. That's right. He said no soldiers, said, no soldiers would hurt. Yeah. And then the no Iran, Iran media center, a media saying that there was 80 or 90 soldiers being killed, something like that. Yeah. But I think Iran, they know they don't have they don't have the muscle to stand up to the Yanks. But now we've got the situation where a civilian airliner was shot down. Yes, I was gonna I was gonna Iran. ask about that. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. I see this as if you think about uh when Reagan along with Bush shot down the Iran air flight back and I think it was eighty eight. Uh-huh. I don't know. I I'm not sure if this was sort of retributed attribution for that. I'm not sure. I don't know what their plan was. I do not believe that the plane was shot down by accident. I think that's absolute bullshit. How do you mistake a plane like that just after <laughs> takeoff? It's not even 11,000 meters into the air. Propaganda, but I think it's just propaganda to just incite more uh, towards Trump. Obviously, lots of people, mm-hmm. if you look on social media, they're saying it's Trump. Trump uh, shot the, the plane down. But we don't know. Yeah, look, Trump, the Canadian president has uh, set that an investigation on it. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, 
the Canadian authorities and all the other authorities of the civilians who were sadly died in that crash. Mm. They want justice for their people. At the end of the day, Trump didn't pull the trigger that shot the plane down, but one can justifiably argue that he escalated this conflict to an extremely high level um, when he assassinated one of their leaders, effectively in a drone strike. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the other things which I disagree with Trump on is how he did it. I mean, if you really want to take out a leader, I think he should have been a bit more controlled in his approach. I mean, if you really want to, why not just, just for argument's sake, employ your secret service agents there, mm-hmm. uh, the CIA agents, whenever you need to take him out, then to take him out in that way. But you just bomb him so publicly, not oh, even in no. his own country, but in another country. I mean, that's just, just it was just extremely stupid the way he did it. I mean, it, it caught the world atten- the world's it, attention. I mean, it if you think I mean, about it's, it's back a couple of years. Yeah, and if you think about if you think back a couple of years when Russia took out one of their own agents, I think they poisoned the guy's daughter as well, in Britain. Mm-hmm. And the world has largely forgotten about that. But imagine how Russia had gone and drone strike the guy. Yes, it yes. would have been a colossal affair. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think Trump was very wise in how he took out Soleimani. Um, if, as, I, as I said, the fact that he's dead is a good thing. I think a lot of people are relieved about that. I, mean, I think a lot of people are relieved when any authoritarian leader is dead. But, I mean, you do have to be tactful when it comes to these things. Because exactly. it impacts a lot of people. It has knock-on effect. You know the other countries are going to try to strike back, and that can kill yeah. innocent people. Because the big question is a lot of uh, skeptical people out there, <laughs> they all yeah. say World War Three is here. This is going to start World War Three. But yeah, yeah, personally, yeah, no, I, 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 I don't think no. this is, no, this is not World War Three, man. This, this is yeah, nothing. I mean, yeah, and I mean, look... Uh, You've got a lot of libertarian arguments, very strong arguments against yeah. what he did because of the knock-on effects against attacking Iran. I, I don't believe there's a problem in declaring war on a country in self-defense. Yeah, exactly. But, if if anything, but, if the world will get affected, it will be economically, like stock markets. And mm, they will be affected, of, of course. Yes, and, and the issue I have with this whole approach is that um, – at the end of the day, you are using people's lives as a means to an end when you wage war in another country. Yes. Which, yeah. which I believe it is only justified in self-defense, possibly even preemptive self-defense. But let's entertain the argument that this did erupt into a full-scale World War Three. I mean, I don't think anybody who's against state action or in powerful interests of government mm-hmm. would effectively argue for that. Mm. In, the, in the sense that you know innocent people will die. So why will you undertake an action in which you know innocent people will die and they will effectively be used as a means to an end and just mm. be regarded as collateral damage? I mean, I think you have Mpiyak Edlamini on Facebook. Yes. Uh, he's, made this, yeah, he's made this argument over and over. It's a very strong argument. Martin Fasadon has made a counter argument. I think he, has, he makes some good points. Um, personally, I believe that waging war in self-defense is fun, preventing self-defense, and defending other people from other countries against authoritarian leaders. It's fine, but you have to be very, 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 very careful in how you do that. Of course, yes. And I don't think Trump was very careful in this regard. One, one more question before we go to the next question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm a bit confused about it. First, I don't even know if it's true. Um, Trump asks South Africa, will they assist him to, in Iran? And then comes this uh, airplane that crashed <laughs> in Congo. Mm. I don't know. I don't know yeah, if it really happened. Yeah, I don't know if what's going on there. And and and, and then the condolences, and he sends out condolences uh, to to the you know the airplane that crashed. 
so there's a lot of mixed emotions going on with with that with our army mm. yeah, yeah i'm i don't i think it would be extremely stupid to get involved yeah um, it would be extremely if you are to get involved i'd rather get involved on the side of the americans than on the side of people thinking it's okay to implement sharia law any form of religious law on people uh, and and um, and, uh, and there's talks yeah, that russia russia wants to assist them now Oh, yeah, but I mean, like Russia and Iran have, have have got mixed relations, but it's been growing stronger and stronger ever since the fall of the Soviet Union. Mm. So yeah, um, I think that's why World War Three won't break out because everybody knows it will just be a colossal Yeah, exactly. Um, but at the end of the day, no, I do not think uh, I do not agree with Trump and what he did here, especially in the way that he did here. I'm glad Soleimani is dead, but I do think he should have taken a totally different route. Yeah, just the, the method he did it. Yeah, yeah, true. Agreed. Yeah, the method. No, that's agreed fully. And but yeah, I do not think Ramaphosa is or was wise to even comment on who was right and who was wrong in this. Um, you know, just release a simple statement saying, you know, we have this situation get resolved. You know, don't want to see endless loss of innocent life, etc. Yeah, like, et like, like the French uh, president, uh, the Canadian president did it. It was a straightforward. Uh... Yeah, because yeah. I don't think anybody wants war. Nobody wants to see war. No. Uh, unless you are a, a neoliberal, even a conservative war. But at the end of the day, nobody wants to see war. And let's not forget that if this were a democratic regime that that undertook the strike, I don't mm. think there would have been as much backlash against, no. say, if Obama did this, for instance. No, um, yeah, and yeah, I think there's a lot of people who are just acting out the way they are against mm. Trump with all his faults, um, exactly because they are just pre-programmed to react in that way. That's I mean, it. I That's as a person who I don't think I've basically ever agreed to Trump on anything, apart from a few things here and there. Mm. Could think to myself, okay, well, I don't agree with how I did it, but at the end of the day, a terrorist is gone. That's it. So, with with all this, will Trump get reelected? <laughs> hey, yeah, question. I don't know. I don't know. Good. I mean, it depends on who the Democrats launch as a candidate. It's only they pick as their presidential candidate. That's all it comes down to. Yeah, well, it has to pass the Senate, and then things are not looking good there. The Senate doesn't really agree with the method uh, that this impeachment was done. But I don't know. Things, things can yeah, change. Yeah, I don't think... I don't know if Trump will win in 2020. I mean, um, as I said, it all depends on the outcome of the impeachment process. But the Republicans have a Senate majority. I don't think Trump will be... Because remember, what people have to remember is impeachment merely means charged in the political sphere doesn't mean removed. So he's been impeached by the House of Representatives, meaning he's been officially charged. Now the, sorry, now the Senate effectively has to act as a type of political court. Mm. I don't think he'll be impeached. I think Republicans are a bit too blinded there, by blind loyalty there. They'll mm. be impeached. Um, but whether he will win in 2020 or not, I think as things go on now, it all depends on who runs against him. Yeah, true. I think they let Joe Biden run against him, Trump will win. Yeah. I think if that is. I'm not sure. The thing is about Bernie Sanders, you know, the communist that he is, is the fact that he knows how to read an audience and how to frame his answers. He, he's very, very good at that. I of mean, course. I've seen him in debates here. They've tried trapping him and sort of to agree, sometimes succeed, sometimes he fucks up. But at the end of the day, 
is very, very good at reading an audience and saying the exact same thing, but just in a different way to speak to different, different I, political I said it. I said it on a comment two days ago on a Facebook uh, comment that yeah. Hollywood actors, I mean, they like to act on it because they're actors and they're good at it. So they're good at making yeah. people angry and they're good at making people sad. So in, in, in effect, Democrats as well, they like to make people feel angry and sad at the same time. So you're right what you're saying there. Uh, Bernie Sanders, he likes to play yeah. with people's emotions. Uh. Yeah, yeah. And I think Trump also likes to play with people's emotions. Um, he, like, he, loves reading, he loves reading a room because then he knows exactly what to say. Yeah. And how to say it? I mean, if he's campaigning in the southern end of Texas, who are on and on, on and on about the border wall, he's campaigning in the northeast of America, where he doesn't have that much support. He'll go on and on about the liberal elites. I mean, he changes his narrative as he moves across the country. Yes, yes, um, yes. But uh, yes, I think this election will be extremely interesting. Um, what only about ten months left. Mm. Um, personally, uh, I think. It will be Elizabeth Warren who wins the presidential ticket, the nomination oh, okay. on the part of the Democrats. I think it will be Elizabeth Warren um, or Bernie Sanders. I don't think Joe Biden will be able to pull it off. To pull it off. Um, any other outside candidates, Michael Bloomberg, no, I think um, because if you look at the opinions of Democrats in America, a lot of them actually view him as a Republican, basically just freelancing as a Democrat, if you want to put mm. it like that. Yeah. So I don't think Michael Bloomberg, Bloomberg will get anywhere. Unfortunately, because oh, well. I like him. We can see a lot of people hate him, a lot of people like him. <laughs> it's hard mm, to say. Yeah, yeah. No. yeah, the thing is about Michael Bloomberg is there are a lot of stuff that I don't like about his um, um, you know, infringing on civil liberties, stop and frisk in New York, and his comments on smoking marijuana, etc., etc. Mm. But relative to all the other statist and interventionary, interventionary policies that all the Democrats are proposing, I think I'd probably run with him above anyone else. Anyway, back home. Yeah. O article that you released a few. What was it? A few days ago, you released the article, eh? On uh, was it last? Yeah, week? last week. Yeah, last week, two weeks ago. Last about week, just before the festive season. Yeah, last week on your land expropriation. Um, yeah, on the investment thing. Give Give the viewers out there a shot. What What it was about? Okay, so basically, um, the it's just common knowledge or common sense rather that. Nobody's going to invest in their property if they don't have secure, at least secure tenure on it, and ideally ownership. And expropriation without compensation, I mean, it's a given facts of life, it will kill the investment potential of this country. Mm. Why would you invest in this country if you don't know that your property will be yours, which includes your money? That's the and what, people, yeah, and what people have to remember is Section 25 of the Constitution, that is not the problem here. That if you, there's a difference between redistribution of land, you know, i.e. nationalizing it, the state becoming the custodian of the land, mm. and um, restitution, legal restitution, where stolen property is actually identified and returned to the owners or the owners compensated and being able to get um, prosecuted or whatever. There's a massive, massive difference between those two things. Section 25 is great in that it provides for um, restitution, legal restitution, constitutional restitution. Mm -hmm. and I have seen the argument made that it allows for compensation of zero land to be awarded. That is what they're trying to do now. I think they realize that their constitutional amendment will not necessarily pass muster. Now, they're just basically trying to pass legislation or amendment to legislation, basically saying that, well, the court will now 
no, they're basically trying to make it official that a conversation of no would be justifiable, um, equitable and justifiable in an open and democratic society. I do not believe that to be the case. Um, I believe that the the requirement for just and equitable compensation is a check and balance approach to guard against arbitrary seizure of property by the state. I mean, yes, they're just yes. trying to circumvent. They're trying to circumvent the constitution effectively through this legislation. In my view, they're basically trying to find a backdoor way and kickstart the process for the state to control land. Yeah, of course, sir. And, and the big theory uh, there's a there's of course another another theory of Chinese. Uh, want to come in, obviously, and then the land, a lot of the land will be given to Chinese. Yes, definitely. I mean, everybody knows that uh, the Chinese are making a lot of loans to Africa. In fact, more loans than what they are actually investing in, in, in Africa as such. Mm. Yeah, see, this is a form of financial imperialism in the sense that they, the West taught them how to do this effectively, especially when you look at the East of South America. So what they do is they, they extend near zero interest rates or maybe even interest-free rates to countries, but they know these countries will not be able to pay it back. And mm. then whichever infrastructure project they launch to that country, that, that's basically the collateral, maybe even some other things as well. I mean, I think we, we've we seen China with their new um, Belt and Road Initiative, which is sort of a revival of the ages old um, Silk Road, the trading route, yes. which they are reviving now um, building infrastructure, even in Kenya. There's a high-speed rail from Nairobi to Mombasa, um, they, I saw I saw a video on it, yeah, and it's a lot. Yeah, fo- they, it's a lot faster. Yeah. yeah, and they've even throughout all Asia they're busy building infrastructure. But I think what South Africa does have to be wary of is in these harsh economic times, it's sort of alluring to just get a country to come to you and just give you money at interest-free loan. And even like yeah, the yeah. issue is when you know you will default on it. That is the issue because then China will effectively rule this country. Yeah, the thing is with Chinese, their GDP growth is not growing. So, what mm, better what, what better place to choose is Africa because it's a yeah. lack, of, lack of development, and that works for yeah. them. That works for them. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean they they are pros at creating special economic development zones as they've done in their country, Beijing, Shanghai, etc. So I think that basically, basically being Africa as a whole economic development zone for their own benefits. And what's sad for me is people can't see that they're sort of imitating the West and everybody with this anti-Western attitude in, in Africa is just saying, yeah, well, as long as it's not the West doing it, as long as it's China doing it, I'm fine with it. You know, just trying uh, to true. see people like it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Tokyo, I don't know. Okay. No, um, I think that's it. Anything else? Okay, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no that's fun, great. What do you what, what do you think of germs? Uh, Facebook being deleted like that? Eh? Sixty thousand followers. Yeah, um, I think it's absolutely. It, listen, yeah, Facebook private property. They can delete what they want. Blah blah. The fact that a cartoon explicitly depicting how dumb and asinine racism is now gets depicted as a racist cartoon. That's, that's I mean, cr- it's, crazy. it's 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 absolutely stupid. And not um, to mention, it's an old cartoon there of germs. Is it? I don't. I don't no, know. No, he, well, I've subscribed to his email, so and it was okay. a, he mentioned that it was an old cartoon of his, and obviously with Helen Zilla using that cartoon has now caused this yeah, out, yeah. outrage. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, and Helen Zilla, you know, of herself, that's quite a 
an interesting topic to go on at a, on another day, but the yeah. the impact that she will have on the DIA, et cetera. And, um, you know, with him and Mashaba, um, actually having come out and written an article that was published, I think in today's Sunday time, yeah. where he goes on and on and moans and whines about how the DA got captured by uh, a, by the IRI effectively. And I mean, this absolutely stupid. I mean, if, just on Abram and Shaba quickly, I just want to put this out there to the listeners. A while back, somebody tweeted at him. I think it was Big Daddy Liberty that tweeted at him. He misses the old Mashaba. You know, the- salute, Big Daddy Liberty. Salute. Salute. And I think he tweeted at him. He misses the old free market, Herman Mashaba. And then Mashaba says, uh, no, that that old Herman that he misses never existed. Sorry. When he actually wrote a book called The Capitalist Crusader. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I think it's it's just absolutely ridiculous how people swing around the moment they don't they don't get their way in politics, and that's why I think it's so dangerous to go into party politics. I mm. mean, it's, it, it's it's fine, it's warranted, it's necessary to be politically active or just at least politically conscious about what's going on in your social, political, and economic sphere in your country. But to actually go actively into party politics, join a party, etc., and how that can just absolutely change a person into the opposite they were. That's quite sad. Um, but yeah, I think what's happening in the DA now is very interesting. Yeah, no, it is. Not mm. looking good for them at the moment. Um, it's very uncertain. <clears throat> yeah, very uncertain future for the very, DA. Very, very, very um, uncertain at the moment, yeah. Yes, and I, and I do suspect Mashaba and Mamani might launch a, sort of a sort of a shot off party from the DA. Yeah. No, anyway, no. give a close in there. Um, this be my first podcast. You be my first guest for this year. So, okay. Cool. What's your what's your predictions? What's your predictions for twenty twenty? Is, mm, is it good? Difficult. Is it bad? <laughs> it's a hard one. Um, like things stand now, I think it's quite bad. Uh, I think what what I hope rather what the future holds is more state-owned enterprises going into business rescue. Uh, mm. I really hope for that process and now. Um, it's express definitely. I really hope solidarity puts a lot of pressure on those companies where they have employees. Um, I do hope to see much more privatization in South Africa. And yeah. I actually bitched a little bit about it on Facebook the other day. It's more than a quarter of my entire salary, not just income tax, in the form of various taxes. Yes, that yes. just goes straight to the state, even though I'm not using that amount of goods and services and I'm not getting anything in return for it. So I really hope we see a lot more privatization so that you actually pay for what you use for a lot less freeloading and yeah. just maybe even the ANC coming to a se- coming to its senses with T Timber when they maybe you can twist Cyril's arm to get yeah, rid well, of other people in the ANC. We'll never, I, th- we'll never I think their birthday celebration uh, didn't turn out very well. They didn't have a lot of uh, people that showed up. <laughs> mm. Yeah, but the issue is where are these people going? Are they they're definitely not going to the purple cows, they're going to the EFF. Yeah. You now that's the that's the real problem. Well well I'm still a purple cow through and through. I'll support that. Yeah, I, I know we're on the benchmark at the moment. It's not looking good um, for the mm. 10 leaders out there. I've said it on my previous podcast. If they can't lead, then they need to give us a chance to uh, uh, elect new leaders. You know? mm, definitely, definitely. Uh, something needs to be done there. I, I love the principles. The 10 principles that they stand for is yes. brilliant. And, you know, yes. indivi- individualism should be given a chance. The, yes, the thing is that people don't understand what individualism means yet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think it's sad that we have such a contempt for liberty and private property rights, etc. And basically just the 
the autonomy of the individual in South yeah. Africa and the world over, actually. I think that's sad. Hundreds. Okay, well, don't go. I just want to give my closing. Um, okay. and, then, and then afterwards, I'm just going to stop the recording. Okay, so people, thank you very much. Young Jock, thank you. Thank you for joining. Cool, man. Uh, Thanks. Thanks for having me. My podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Anchor FM. I will put this on uh, YouTube as well and Bitude. Bitude, you get more views than what you do on YouTube because you know the censor- the censorship on YouTube is very Oh, yeah, bad. the algorithms, yeah. Uh, so, so Bitude is there. They allow it. But anyway, cool. Thank you very much, guys.